the VO meter, measuring your voiceover progress. So welcome to part two of our international roundtable episode. And this time we're featuring two special guests who due to scheduling had to join us at a different time. But also we want to give them enough time to talk about their experiences. And it just became so much content that we wanted to give it its own episode. So without further ado, here's part two of our international roundtable. So gotta admit, I'm a little intimidated to introduce our next two guests because not only are they extremely talented and generous with their time and all of their experience and expertise, but one of them is actually my boss. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) The amazing and talented Christina Malizia. And then the other one has been just making incredible strides in the last couple of years in the voiceover industry in both the English and Spanish markets. He's done animation, commercial, promo, and just all various forms and formats. The inimitable Christian Lance. So, hello, hello. Christian, thank you both for coming today. You got it. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So for people who might not know who you guys are, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves, what kind of areas of voiceover you're focusing on right now? and uh, just where you're at in your careers. Hi everyone, my name is uh, Christina Melizia and uh, I've been a voice actor since I was eight years old. Um, So about 26 years now, although most of that it was more just a fun way to miss school. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) uh, full-time more in the the last, uh, you know, six or seven years and uh, I specialize in animation, video games. I do commercial work as well. Uh, toys and uh, a lot of kids media. I do uh, children's voices quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of dabble in, in pretty much everything um, except for promo. So that is, that is the one area that I <laughs> perhaps someday I will pop up over there. But yet, yeah. and, uh, I, I work here in Los Angeles. Wonderful. And you, Christian? Well, uh, yeah, as, as you guys know, uh, Christian Lance. And um, I've been doing this since 2000. I've been doing this since 2005, but full time since 2007 ish. Um, voiceover. I mean, I started kind of on camera in 2005, and then I was doing a little of both. And then I just, you know, migrated into voiceover full time and decided that was, that was what I really wanted to do. And it got to the point where voiceover got, you know, busy enough where I would actually lose money if I took on a, an on camera gig, because, you know, for anybody who's done on camera, you know how time intensive that is. And you got to go, you know, a full day for the for the auditions and the callbacks, and then the full day for the fitting, and then maybe two or three days for the shoot. And so, you know, long story short, it, it might take, a, you know, a, a whole week to shoot, like, for example, a commercial spot or commercial, or, uh, you know, t- an on-camera commercial. And during that time, I'd have to turn down three, four, five VO jobs. And then suddenly it just, I just, it just dawned on me. I was like, I'm losing money. So, you know, I went full-time VO and uh, I do miss the on-camera side of things, but I love VO. So it, this is, you know, you really can't ask for, for a better career than, than VO, you know, who doesn't love VO? So... So yeah, um, and I, I specialize in uh, commercials, promos, a lot of trailers, um, animation, video games, narration, and uh, a fair amount of live announce too. I'm actually getting ready to this weekend uh, join the uh, the three timer club for the uh, uh, live announcing the daytime Emmy Awards and the Creative Arts Emmys. So that's a little kind of you know niche that that's not quite as uh, as well known in the VO industry, but it's a, but it's a lot of fun. So. Yeah, so that's a little bit of what I do. Wonderful. That sounds so much fun. Well, thank you both for uh, coming today. And Paul, would you like to start with our first question? Sure. Uh, As you know, this is the focus of this episode is bilingual talent. Although, 
Sean is barely, and I'm not at all. But the two of you, we're wondering, which is your, your mother tongue and mother dialect? Well, you know, when I was uh, growing up, it was Spanish. My, my father came to this country uh, speaking no English whatsoever. And so my earliest years, it was uh, my, both my parents speak Spanish. My mother grew up in Mexico. And uh, so, and my dad, again, was from Peru. So it was mostly Spanish when I was very young. Um, however, you know, once you start going to school and everything, it just, you know, English becomes a lot, you know, being in this country, that's the main language spoken in school. And so English quickly became, you know, a little bit more dominant for me. Um, however, you know, the, the original language that I did speak growing up was more on the Spanish side. For me, it was, it was Spanish. I, I was born and raised in, in Mexico City. Um, I lived in Mexico for about 16 years. My father's from Mexico. My mother's from Chile. So, um, you know, half Mexican, half South American, Chilean. Uh, we moved to the U.S. when I was a, a young kid. I was about five, six years old when we moved here. And I actually learned to speak English by watching cartoons and watching TV and listening to the, you know, the announcers and the voice actors. So kind of, you know, I, I kind of hit the ground running in the sense that as I was learning to speak the language, I was also kind of training to be a voice actor, albeit unconsciously. I didn't know that that was kind of what was happening until later on in life when I realized that, you know, that I learned to speak the language kind of in the vein of what um, professional voiceover sort of sounded like, you know, so that was, uh, I guess that kind of helped me. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you hear that sort of innate talent for her, or just that sort of vocal oral awareness for accents and um, articulation, like you've said before. I know Carlos yeah. Elzraki has had a similar story as well. And, sure. But it's so great to hear the similar stories that you guys have. And Sort of moving on to the next question, and uh, I can guess the answers for both of you, but how often are you guys asked when you perform jobs in English <laughs> to do accented English? <laughs> Quite a bit. Uh, and, and there's something really wonderful to that, you know, even though I don't, I don't have a Hispanic accent, um, you know, having somebody do a character for animation or video games or, or even a commercial with who actually is Hispanic and who can actually pronounce words that do come up that are in Spanish, um, you know, authentically, uh, you know, that there's, it's, there's a, a really nice authenticity to that. So even though, you know, and also, you know, the accents that, that we put on, I think for many of us, it's one of our parents probably, or, or your relative, <laughs> totally. someone who was in your house, you know, what that was, you grew up listening to. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, of culture and uh, memories and history when you bring something like that to your work, um, that's, that's special and unique. And, um, and, you know, hopefully that all kind of bleeds into the character as well. So yes, quite a bit uh, for animation and video games and, and for commercial as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think my, my experience has been pretty similar. If you take a quick glance through my, you know, through my IMDb, you'll see that pretty much, I'd say about 70% of what's in there is probably accented English, um, you know, reads for, for animation, for video games. Uh, and I totally agree with Christina. I mean, when I, you know, I lost my, my, I don't speak with an accent in either language now at this point, but you know, I did when I was little and I, you know, I lost it as I grew up, but my, my family, every, every, you know, male in my family still speaks with an accent. So when I, when I put on, you know, a, a Hispanic accent, I'm like, she says, I'm basically, I'm doing my dad or I'm doing my uncle. Um, so I, I can definitely fall into it. Uh, in a in a place of authenticity because it's what I grew up with and it's what I hear every day uh, from my family. Even though I speak Spanish with my family, 
when I hear them speak English, that's, that's how they speak. So it's just sort of a natural, um, you know, sound that we're used to. And it, it's funny because, it, you know, I've noticed that in the animation world, in, in acting in general, um, it's, it's beneficial sometimes for, for casting directors or for producers to hire somebody who um, has sort of that bicultural, bilingual background because oftentimes if you hire actors who, who have, who naturally speak with an accent, um, even though the, the accent obviously sounds authentic and is dead on, um, especially for things like comedy, you know, comedy is all about rhythm and it's all about a, a certain a melody and rhythm and flow. And it's very diff comedy in, 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 you know, for, for Anglos is very different, from, you know, from comedy for, for Hispanic speakers. It's, there's just, just a different rhythm to it. So sometimes you'll have an accent that's authentic, but it won't nail the rhythm of the jokes and the comedy. And sometimes it's beneficial to get somebody who understands both languages so that they can deliver, you know, the, uh, the, the appropriate accent, but also with the, the perfect rhythm for the jokes and to make the comedy land. So that's kind of a, that helps us. That helps me at least. I don't know. It's, you know, some people might find it differently, but, but uh, so it's, it's a good place to be in, to be able to kind of fall into either the accented, the non-accented and to understand the, the structure and the rhythm of both languages. So that's a really good point. (laughs) That's a really good point. And, and, you know, vice versa, like just to, to expand upon that, you know, there are, um, melodies in Spanish, you know, there are melodies to English voiceover that don't translate in Spanish. Totally, totally. And it's, and so it was one of the interesting things when I began to, uh, you know, work on improving my Spanish, you know, because obviously I spoke conversationally growing up, but working to, to work more professionally in terms of commercial reads and, and when I'm actually going up against native speakers, I discovered, you know, a lot of the melodies that were part of a, a normal English commercial read were totally different in Spanish. You can't, you can't handle it the same way. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and so even if your accent is perfect, it's just not going to hit in, in, in the way that it needs to. And, exactly. and different, yeah. And different vocal qualities also mean different things. In it's like, it's like font, you know, it's like when we say, Oh, I, I wish we had sarcasm font. So I can tell when you're being sarcastic, there's a certain rhythm and a certain melody to languages where, you know, in English, for example, you can s- say a joke or you can, you can be joking, even though it's, it might be kind of deadpan what you're saying, but there's a certain lilt, a certain melody to what you're saying that preps the listener to, to understand, Oh, this is a joke. You know, it's, it's what, what's coming is supposed to be funny. And that's what sometimes is, is necessary for a joke to land. And that's very, very different in Spanish and in English. And you kind of have to understand and know both um, in addition to the accents sometimes to make, you know, those jokes land, to make it, um, to make it flow the way it needs to flow. So I yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Getting that emotional message to come across the way you want it to. It, it, it's very, it's very, and including the vocal pitch you use, the, the vocal quality, you know, ever, and the rhythm, as he mentioned. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's, it's one of the, it's, it's, a subtle, it's a subtlety that I think a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. Um, but if you're in it, then you realize, you know, that these small things do make that difference. Well, that's wonderful because we talked about it a little bit in our discussions uh, regarding international voiceover and stuff, but it's almost like you're creating this third form of communication because you have this awareness of two different cultures, of two different languages, and you're just kind of like you have to understand who your audience is and how you can approach it because we've talked about when doing a character accent, the importance of authenticity over accuracy because like you were saying, if you did just 100% 
like dialect, then you there there's an exclusivity about that. Like you risk distancing or alienating your audience. Like they might not understand you or the joke might not land. So you have to come up with this sort of evocative, like this like evokes the idea of an accent rather than being a hundred percent accurate. So that's that's fascinating that you're both able to articulate it so well. Um, not to be, not to go crazy with this, but there's even like, I feel like there's actually even a rhythm and uh, a tonality and a, and to people who speak both, like the people who are actually in the middle who do speak, like, but you'll hear it a lot on, there's certain radio stations that are actually completely bilingual now that like the, the announcers speak half of the time in English, half of the time in Spanish, it'll go in and out between each phrase. And, um, and, you know, there is this growing uh, population in the United States of people like Christian, people like me, people, you know, there are so many people that come here from, from Latin America because it's, you know, a neighboring, you know, they're, they're in terms of proximity, especially Mexico, um, where they, it's, it's their own culture. You know, it's, it's, it's a different culture in and of itself of the people who do speak that are these second generation, um, you know, uh, sons and daughters of, of immigrants. And, uh, and that bilingual language has its own slang and rhythm and, and, <laughs> and to it. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, totally. Wonderful. Thank you. For, we're getting so cerebral here. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> not that that's a problem. This is, it's a smart show. So kind of moving on, since you guys do such a variety of projects in a variety of markets, I'm curious if there are specific kinds uh, or if you specialize in multiple accents of Spanish or in multiple languages or dialects more or dialects that would be the more appropriate term yes um, I you know as I mentioned I mean the Hispanic comes up the most because again people are looking for that authenticity and so there, there's a lot of casting that will say you know we, we'd like a um, someone who, who is Hispanic or of Latin descent um, so yes that one is really common and and they will ask for accents all within, you know, Latin America. Um, if I get to do my dad Peru, then that's awesome. Uh, a lot of times they ask for something kind of neutral or it's not anything specific or Mexican. Um, you know, it, it really ranges. Uh, so, but yeah, a lot of that. Um, I do other accents as well for my character work um, and definitely have occasion to use them, you know, obviously British and Russian, New York. I mean, these things come up on a fair, you know, a fair amount in, in character work. But, um, but yeah, Hispanic definitely prevails, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> How about you, Christian? Yeah, for me, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, for, for my, you know, English work, I do a lot of... Um, you know, I do a lot of different dialects in English for, for my video game and animation work. I'll do, you know, obviously I'll do, a, you know, just standard, standard American English or, you know, Southern or Boston or New York or, uh, you know, a, a British, Scottish, et cetera. But also within, the, um, within the, the Spanish work that I do, because I'd say about half of what I, half of the work that I do for voiceover is in Spanish for the Hispanic market. But I think a lot, what a lot of people don't realize is that when somebody says, you know, this is, a, this is for the Hispanic market, it, it's as rich and varied as it is in the general market English world. You know, a lot of people tell me, oh, man, you, you work so often in, you know, for the Hispanic market, I should brush up on my high school Spanish so I can do that too. And it's like, no, dude, like, yeah. it, it's not just a matter of being kind of fluent. It's like, you know, when somebody comes to you and says, do you speak Spanish? And it's like, yeah, but what do you, what Spanish do you want? Do you want you know, Mexican, Mexico City, uh, you know, Chilean, Peruvian, Argentinian, it's, they're vastly different dialects. And even within, 
like Mexico City Spanish. I mean, Mexico City is a, you know, it's a city of 25 million people. It's an enormous city. And there are different Mexico City dialects within the city itself. I mean, it's like the same as like you would say, oh, well, you do, you know, you're, you have a Valley Girl accent or, you know, this accent or that. So even within Mexico City, there are probably eight, nine, ten distinct dialects of Mexico City Spanish that you can use and that I do bring out very often because once you're in the session and the producers, you know, kind of are from Mexico or they, you know, they've lived there, they get that too. So it's like even within that, there are subcategories of, of dialects within the Spanish realm that, that are very useful to have um, because depending on what dialect you use, you're conveying different uh, demographics. You know, you're conveying the, you know, whatever the, 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 the snooty rich kid or the, you know, the blue collar working guy or the, you know, whatnot. So this, this knowledge of, of those specific dialects are really what help those of us who work in the Hispanic market to really be, um, uh, you know, to really book all these jobs because that's, that's kind of, that's, that's not something that anybody can do. You know, especially not somebody who goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to brush up on my high school Spanish and I can, you know, do all these spots. Um, You know, that's really important to know is that a lot of people think that the Hispanic market is just sort of a, you know, a secondary sort of subcategory, but it's not. It's huge. It's it's the only it's really the only commercial market in the U.S. that is still experiencing growth. So it's um, it's super rich and varied um, and it and it demands, um, you know, an authenticity and it demands uh, perfection, just like the English market. Um, so that's really important to know. You know, it's uh, it it really kind of deserves its place in in the in the VO market as as something that that uh, you know requires uh, authenticity. Wonderful. Yeah. Certainly not for the faint of heart. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. And actually, the rest of the panel mentioned that specific to to e learning and and um, narration that when someone sees a spec or when you see a spec for an audition that says they want a native dialect, that that's the only one that is really worth doing. So yeah. I'm curious, and Christian, you sort of covered it, but I'm curious if you think it cover it, it translates to other genres of VO out of animation and commercial. If when you see something that's not your native dialect, if it's always a good idea to try and pull it off, if you, if you know that, that accent or dialect, or is it something you should leave to someone who is native of that specific dialect? Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I, I like to leave um, certain dialect. For example, if you know, sometimes what we'll see a lot in the Hispanic market, uh, because we're we're divided sort of in West Coast and East Coast. West Coast tends to be very Mexico heavy, uh, Mexican, Colombian, etc., which tend to be sort of what we would call a neutral Spanish dialect. Whereas if you go East Coast, especially Florida, Miami, etc., that's more of the Caribbean Spanish. So we're talking Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican. Uh, and these are vastly different uh, dialects in Spanish. I mean, it's, it's, they sound as different as, you know, what Scottish English sounds to an American. That is exactly so, how Umberto described it. He said, oh, totally. Yeah. Someone yeah. from Scotland would not necessarily understand someone from, from America and vice versa. It's the same comparison he made. Completely. Yeah. yeah it's, it's totally different. So I know that if I get an audition for, let's say, a commercial campaign that is, you know, that's airing just in the, you know, Miami market or in the East Coast market and they're asking for a Caribbean Spanish dialect. Um, I can do it. I can do an, I can do a fairly decent imitation of it. But to be honest, it's like, you know, there are voice actors who are native to that, who are going to be much more, you know, uh, effortless in doing this dialect. And to be honest, I just, I prefer to leave that to, to the experts, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to the native speakers. Cause 
like I said, this is a growing market and it's not, you know, I don't say this to be braggy, but I, I have more work than I can take on within my genre of, you know, West Coast, uh, Mexico City slash neutral Spanish. So I think it's great that, that we can leave that to people who are very good at what they do and, uh, and everybody, you know, gets to work in this industry. And so, yeah, I see stuff come in and I go, you know what, I'm handing this off to, to somebody who's going to do it better than I can. That's how I feel about when um, I'm sent something with Castilian Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's been requested. <laughs> I'm like, that's so different. Yeah. So yeah. different. And, um, you know, people don't realize how different, you know, Spain Spanish is from, from over here. You know, I mean. Totally. Just as Christian mentioned, you know, I mean, there's, there's enough variation even just within, you know, the West Coast and in Mexico and, and all of the above. And then when you throw in Spain, from Spain, that's just a whole other <laughs> It's <laughs> a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, my, I totally echo Christian's feelings on all of that. That's, you know, if, if my agent sends me something and they want me to read on it, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, do what my agent asks me to do. Um, but, you know, I definitely, um, and I, I'm very, I'm always very conscious of doing my very best to get as close to authentic as I possibly can. I usually do dialect coaching before every single uh, job that I do with, with the dialect. And um, if I have to do an accent, if I have time to get coaching before an audition, I will often do that as well. Um, because, you know, I just, I feel like, you know, even if I listen and mimic, there are going to be things that I miss. Um, and uh, it's always very important to me to try to, you know, just try to do honor to the cultures as closely as I possibly can. Um, you know, I, I think that. So I, I try to make that effort. But, you know, again, there are always going to be those times when you get an audition and you have, you know, 12 hours to turn it around. And, and how well can you do that really in that time frame? So, <laughs> you know, you do your best, but there are definitely things that it's, you know, that are closer to home that are going to be more authentic and ones that are going to be more of a stretch. So, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, that's huge because it's like you both have such a unique skill set and you already have a facility, like you're both incredibly talented with years of experience and you have a facility with accents, but even then you have an awareness of your limitations and you don't put yourself out there on a project that you feel someone else might be better for. And that's a huge thing to consider. What would you say are some of the benefits of being a, a bilingual talent as well as some of the challenges? Um, well, as we mentioned before, I think, you know, the benefit is, I mean, you can add authenticity to to an accented read. And, and, you know, if there happens to be words in both languages, you're going to be able to pronounce both languages in a way that's, you know, authentic and, and more native. And that's, you can ad lib potentially in that language, which can add a lot for sure in, in animation and video games as well. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest benefits is that you could potentially voice the same product in two different languages Mm -hmm. and that's a huge advantage for you know the client as well because it saves them time with casting they only have to if they find one person and they're like oh i really love their voice and now ooh, we can use this for the latin american market as well or for mexico i mean that's a huge time saver for them it it creates consistency for the product um, in terms of the tone they want now again that it may not be ideal for all products maybe you don't want the same sound depending on what the localization is that's possible too but you know having that option I think is is a huge um, a huge advantage for them Um, so I think those are potentially 
some of the benefits, especially in commercials and things like where you have words in both languages that go in and out. Um, I think that's something, you know, because clients want the name of their product pronounced correctly. And, you know, sometimes the product name is in English. If they're in a Spanish spot, if they have a talent who actually can say it in English properly, that's a plus, uh, you know, so that's, I think that's a, a, a huge benefit. Benefits. I mean, I think the benefits are pretty, pretty clear. I mean, the benefits of being bilingual is you get twice as many opportunities, you know, it's uh, especially in, in the U.S. and with the Hispanic market, you know, burgeoning and, and growing at such a huge rate. Uh, and especially because Hispanics tend to consume media uh, more actively than uh, the general market Anglo population, especially movies. You know, that's why we do so many uh, trailer campaigns in Spanish because um, uh, uh, Spanish-speaking uh, residents of the U.S. are the number one movie-going demographic. So now, you know, mo movie studios are realizing, oh, this is the demographic that we need to market our movies to because they're the ones that are actually going out and watching these movies more than any other demographic that's uh, in the U.S. So, yeah, uh, benefits that, you know, you get twice as many opportunities. And um, I'd say you know, drawbacks. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to think of a drawback really. I don't know that there is a huge drawback. If anything, maybe the a possible drawback is that once somebody, you know, the industry, the industry is very much about uh, labeling people, you know, and kind of pigeonholing people. That's cause that's what works. That's what makes um, the casting process efficient is to label somebody and go, Oh, this is my, you know, Spanish guy. This is my accent guy. This is my, so sometimes you do run into some um, situations where if people know that you do a lot of Spanish work, uh, you get pigeonholed as, oh, this is my Spanish guy. And then you come to the session and, and people hear you speak English and they go, wait a minute, you don't, you don't have an accent at all when you speak English. Why aren't you doing the, the English side of this campaign? And you're like, I don't know. And then they're like, ah, oh, we should have you know, hired you to do both. And it's because um, once you get kind of labeled as the Spanish guy, sometimes, occasionally, uh, you can get pigeonholed and maybe not considered or not, people might not realize that, you know, guys, I, I speak English too. I can do the general market side of it too. So it is a constant sort of remind, you got to remind people, hey, by the way, you know that Spanish audition I sent? Just so you know, I speak English as well. And, and so I, I do run into that situation where you kind of have to gently remind people um, pretty often that you can do both. And, and that's where, uh, you know, that's where our opportunities are. And, and as, as long as you remind people, then the, the work opportunities are always there and it, and it becomes a benefit again. Well, Christian, I think there was a, another podcast you were on, not to promote our competition, but <laughs> didn't you mention that you initially picked up a lot of Spanish language work in reverse where you showed up for the English se session and they said, hey, you can speak oh, Spanish? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, I would, I would show up to, and vice versa, I would, I would show up to a session and I'd be recording the session and they'd, they'd hear, you know, me speak the other language, whatever. If I was at a Spanish session, they'd hear me speak English to a producer or to somebody or vice versa. And that's when they would realize, they go, wait a minute, can you, you can do both. And, and that's how I started picking up a lot of this dual market, like, like Christina says, all these dual market campaigns. And there was something that she said that was also really important where it's brands like for their brand names to be pronounced properly, correctly in whatever language it is that their brand name originates. You know, I, I was the voice of, um, uh, of Verizon for, for many years, a long time ago. And one of the biggest, um, I think one of the biggest uh, selling points, one of the biggest reasons why I think I might've gotten the job is because 
um, Verizon is a name that uh, in Spanish isn't, isn't necessarily naturally pronounced properly because there is no V sound in Spanish. It just doesn't exist. In Spanish... Oh, that's true. I never even thought about that until right now. Yeah. In, in Spanish, <laughs> we, you know, we, the, the, the letter V exists and the letter B exists, but they both sound the same. They both sound like a B. So in Spanish, Verizon is actually pronounced Verizon with a, with a B. <laughs> You know, and and the uh, and I remember that the uh, for the for the the clients, you know, the 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 people at Verizon, like this was very annoying because they were like, no, it's not Verizon, it's Verizon with a V. And so, because I came in with that knowledge of both languages and understanding that there's a difference between the B and the V sound, that was really attractive to them because they were like, oh, this guy speaks perfect Spanish, but he pronounces our brand name correctly, you know, correctly in quotation marks, obviously, but not because. You know, the Spanish pronunciation of a V is incorrect. It's just that's the way it's pronounced in Spanish. It's a different language. So what she was saying, it's really important to, to, uh, to know those differences and to know what the client wants, you know. And so whether you're voicing a spot in English or in Spanish, just be respectful of what the pronunciation of the client's main brand is. I mean, that's, that's really what's most important. That's what you're there for is to be the spokesman of a brand. So, you know, you, you got to be mindful of that, that kind of stuff. And that's where it helps us to be bilingual and bicultural especially yeah amen um that's so funny i never thought about that uh, for the, with that particular you know with verizon mm -hmm. in particular but that's true that would be <laughs> that would be <laughs> a major issue yeah. um uh i i think um for me in terms of i wouldn't i wouldn't i agree with christian i don't think there are any drawbacks at all to being bilingual i think there i think there's zero drawbacks <laughs> <laughs> Zero. I mean, you really have to nitpick. I really had to nitpick. To right. um, I do think there are challenges, though, um, for depending on what kind of bilingual you are. And, and by what I mean by that is, you know, what country did you, you know, in what, what country did your parents teach? I mean, what, like, for example, if I was here, but, you know, my parents were Cuban or Puerto Rican, that would be much harder for me to be in the market here because it's a little bit more honestly Mexican based here on the West, you know, West coast. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on where your Spanish is from. You know, some accents are a little uh, cleaner or more proper than others. Some are much more laid back and a little, you know, messier in terms of their enunciation. So, um, so I think those can potentially be challenges depending on what sort of Spanish market you are attempting to enter into and work in. Um, that's something I've encountered since my father, again, is Peruvian. So my accent is more South American. Um, and so being here in the West Coast um, in California, they really want more Mexican Spanish most of the time. And so that's a challenge for me to try to, you know, kind of go more in the Mexican direction. However, I tend to book more work in like Florida um, for Spanish because that the accent for whatever reason it's a little bit more and again also I have an accent where my mom was from you know grew up in Mexico but she also spoke perfect English my father was Peruvian I grew up here which is a huge melting pot so my accent is much more it's a little it's kind of a mix of, of many things and so for me to work in Spanish you know I just I, that's one of the challenges that I have because my accent is a little bit different than one you know one particular thing especially being here um, and then, uh, you know, again, for me, another challenge, you know, Christian, I, I 
maybe you have your family around you more. I'm, I don't as much here anymore. So a lot of the people that I spoke Spanish with on a regular basis are now no longer in my life. So I have mm. to put a lot more effort, not no longer in my life, but no longer like in my everyday, like I speak to them every day kind of thing, um, life. So, you know, I have to work a lot. I have to work regularly in terms of practicing my Spanish because otherwise, you know, I'm just not speaking it on a daily basis aside from when I work. So I have to listen to radio constantly. I have to keep it in my mouth and, and you know, because it's different muscles as well. So uh, that's one of the challenges for me is that in a primarily, you know, English speaking life that I live, you know, maintaining the Spanish where it needs to be at the level that it needs to be to compete here in Los Angeles. That's, you know, again, one of my challenges. So my, I guess my, my point is, I think the challenges of being bilingual really depend on who you are as a, as a bilingual talent, where you're from, at what point you came in. Again, some people like, um, you know, like Christian, they maybe came here later, or maybe they never lost their English accent. It's there just a little bit, you know, that might be a challenge for them, uh, trying to enter into that English, uh, stronger English side of, of the bilingual market. So that, that's my point is I just, I think it would really vary, um, depending on, on your personal history and <laughs> where, where your biculturalism and, and bilingualism originates. <laughs> wow. It's gold. Sweet, sweet gold. Uh, <laughs> That's I really can't thank you guys enough. I mean, there's just so many like you're both so knowledgeable and articulate about this and sort of kind of bringing everything together because you've touched on it throughout the discussion on considerations you need to make in order to be successful in both of these areas. So say you recognize that you're bilingual, you might be a talent, you might not be, but you want to start marketing yourself as a bilingual talent. Where do you start? Make a demo. <laughs> I really like, there's so many people like, oh, you know, I'm bilingual too. How do I start working? And it, make a demo. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you cannot market yourself as a bilingual talent without a demo. But it's, it's on my resume. <laughs> demo in the specific language too, correct? Well, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah. No, no, that's what I mean. I mean, you need a language in that other language that you say that you speak. Okay, great. You have to show that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, you know, it's the whole don't, don't tell me, show me, you know, sort of thing. It's like, I, for me specifically, like I have, I have um, my, just my English commercial demo, my, my regular English commercial demo, the, I think it's the second, I want to say it's the, like the second or third spot in. Um, is like a Taco Bell spot where I'm speaking Spanglish. So I, I bounce back and forth between perfect English and perfect Spanish in that one spot. So be, because I always want people to know, even if they're listening, like I said, you know, that it doubles your, your opportunities if people know that you can do both languages and they can hire you, especially for commercials where here in the U.S. commercials are generally shot twice. They're shot for the general market and they're shot for the huge, massive you know, Hispanic networks that, uh, that are, that are growing and growing. So, um, you know, you gotta, people need to know that. So even, even within, it's not that I specifically have, obviously I have Spanish demos and English demos, but even within my English demo, I've got some Spanish thrown in there so that people right off the bat hear it and go, Oh, Oh, this guy's bilingual. Aren't we shooting this thing in Spanish too? Oh, let's mark this guy. You're mark this guy. Cause you know, he might work for both. So yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta always put it out there. But then the other thing is too, is, is what I would tell somebody who's, who wants to market themselves as a, as a bilingual talent 
or as a Hispanic market talent is be honest with yourself. You know, it's, it's, it touches on a little of what I was saying before. If you just, if you took a few years of high school Spanish, it's not going to cut it. You know, it's the, 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 um, you know, the quality control aspect of it in the Hispanic market is just as stringent as it is in the general market. It's, it's not just people who kind of speak Spanish. You got to be as flawless and as fluid and as perfect in that language as you would be if you were auditioning for a major national spot in the general market. It's got to be that good. So just be honest with yourself. If you are truly and honestly bilingual, go for it. You know, it's a, it's a huge market. And if you're not, you know, maybe it's just not your niche, you know, in this, in this industry. Um, but either way, yeah, make a demo, uh, uh, let people know, you know, let people hear it and judge for themselves, obviously. Yeah. Amen. Um, on my Spanish demo, I have an English Spanish spot as well. Cause, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, because you do. You, and that was the same thing. You want to be able to show. And then on my Spanish, I also have Spanish words. Um, totally, totally. And uh, I put a kid's voice in my commercial demo as well because I got to like make sure I <laughs> nice, do yeah. that one too. So no, it's true. That. It's important in terms of the marketing. Show everything you can do in a shorter period of time mm-hmm. without, you know, making people go, what the heck is going on? And the commercial um, demo might be the only one they listen to. They exactly. They looking yeah. specifically for Spanish or kids. Oh, that's amazing. That's wonderful. One more question about the demo uh, for either of you. Do you think it's important to have a demo producer who speaks the language in which you're recording? Or can anybody produce the demo, who normally would produce your, your demo if they, if they had the skills? But do you think it's important to have that person speak the same language that you're recording? I, I mean, I, I think it depends on your, um, your, I think it depends on your experience level as a voice actor. I mean, it, it basically comes down to, do you need to be directed or do you not? And, and uh, if you're kind of at the beginning of your career, uh, you, you, you're probably going to benefit from having uh, a demo producer who can direct you through the session. And if you can find, if you're doing a Hispanic demo or a bilingual demo, uh, then yeah, I would, I would recommend that you get a demo producer who, who understands the nuances and the rhythm and the, uh, the delivery that, that sells, that works for the Hispanic market as well as for the English market. Um, now, if you're a little bit more of an established talent and you're used to, you know, self-directing and you do a lot of self-directed sessions and that's just how you work, then just, you know, have, have somebody produce your demo who can handle all the production and technical aspects of, of making a great demo, but then you can obviously self-direct yourself in, in whatever language you're, uh, you're doing. And, and uh, um, you know, if, if you've got that skill set, if you're at that point in your career. I agree. <laughs> I don't really have much more to say than that. Um, Can't you guys be more argumentative? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I just, I, I think there's benefits to, again, you know, just as you mentioned, you know, especially if, if somebody speaks that language, especially in terms of branding, marketing, making sure it hits in the way that you want it to. Um, because again, especially when it comes to commercial, because this is advertising, um, which is very specific in terms of, you know, a specific market that you are trying to reach and sell to, and it needs to be communicated in a very specific way. Um, but yeah, again, if you work day in and day out in Spanish and you know, you know, you know what you're doing, you you don't need somebody to, to hold your hand through that or, or to guide you and not, not hold your hand, but you know, to guide you. Um, but you know, if you're not constantly working and booking in Spanish, then I think it's a good idea. And again, it comes down to, you know, being honest with yourself as far as like, if you absolutely, if you feel like you 
absolutely need somebody who speaks Spanish to direct you because otherwise you have no idea how to give a convincing performance in Spanish. And maybe that's not your niche. You know, maybe you're not, that's, you're not ready for that. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just, it, it all comes down to being, being honest with yourself and understanding what, what point you are at what point you are in your career and um, taking it from there. I think Christian made a really good point that I just want to repeat again because it's I don't think people realize how hard it is to in you know to be that flawless perfect yeah. uh, level in both languages. It, people don't realize you know even if you're bilingual again like me or, or Christian you grew up speaking two languages in in the home achieving that high level of performance um, in two different languages is very difficult so you know even if you already are you know a fluent speaker and you can go to another country and have a wonderful time and get around and have conversations professional voiceover as a skill set is not the same because you have to you're not just yeah. communicating in small groups and the standards are higher yeah. it's for an entire country if right not more. Like, this is professional so even so just know that if you even if you are bilingual and you speak fluently and you know you you have no problem speaking in that other language know that it is going to take a lot of extra work to actually book on a national level um, those kind of, of jobs because you are competing with native speakers who have studied many, many years and are true professional voiceover right. talents in that language. So Yeah. I mean, if you compare it to just the general market, you know, we're, it's, there, there are a handful of us who are working, who are actually making a living in the U.S. as professional, you know, voiceover artists. And if you think about it, I mean, there are 300 million people in this country who can speak and sound like flawless native speakers. And if that were the only thing that mattered, we would be out of a job because all of those 300 million people are, would be happy to take our jobs. And they're, the, the fact is they're not. They're not because in addition to sounding natural and flawless in their language, there's also a skill set which is the acting part, you know? So again, it's, it's not just, oh, but my Spanish is really good. Well, yeah, but can you be flawless? And in addition to being flawless, can you act in that language and bring that sensibility and bring that native, you know, cultural um, uh, fluidity to it. And, and that's where it's, that's where you got to be honest with yourself. It's like, can I do that? You know, realistically. Mm -hmm. Amazing points, you two. And I, again, I just keep returning to this idea of awareness because even like the, the, the bare minimum is that, is that flawless fluency in both languages and, and the level of acting talent that is required to be successful in, area, in any area of voiceover. Mm -hmm. But like that being said, that's just the beginning. You have to consider, like we said before, where you fit in the U.S. market, where you potentially fit in your native language market. and like you're essentially doubling your opportunities, but you're also doubling at least the amount of work you have to do in order to take advantage of them. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the point. I, I sometimes, I, every once in a while I used to get overwhelmed because I, because I do have to work on my Spanish all the time. And I'd be like, ugh, if I have to practice my Spanish, I could practice all these other things, you know, <laughs> to take it. And then I was like, Christina, you're, you're ridiculous. It's a privilege to have this other thing that I can continue to, it's, it's such a huge benefit. But again, yes, that benefit has a tremendous amount of responsibility attached to it if you really do want it to succeed um, with it. Saying, with, with great power, there is great responsibility. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yep. It's true. Well, guys, Christina, Christian, thank you so much for joining us. We've come to the end of our time together, uh, sadly. 
But before we go, even though Christian told everybody he's too busy to take on more work, tell us where people can find you if they want to hire you. Uh, well, I, I'm at, I'm at uh, SBV Talent, uh, Sutton Varth and Venari here in, in LA uh, is my, my primary agency. I'm also with uh, Jason Marks Talent Management. And uh, yeah, anything you need, uh, commercial, trailer, promo, animation, video games, narration, live announce, you can find me there. Awesome. Um, I'm with AVO Talent, AVO Talent here in Los Angeles. And um, yeah, you can find me there. My animation agents are Sandy, uh, Sandy Schnarr, who is absolutely incredible. Uh, George Carmona that does my video game work and Peter Verano and Rebecca do my commercial. Um, and yes, I'm there. Primarily do animation uh, video games, but I also do commercial as well, narration. Um, just did my first audio book, which was a, a really fun thing uh, <laughs> the other day. And yeah, that's about it. Thanks so much for having us. You're welcome. And I just wanted to extend my thanks to Paul's. I'm, I'm just so happy to have you both on here. Like, I mean, Christina, we work together, and I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a year now. I know. I'm so sorry. This, see, this was the way to do it. It was. No, and I'm so glad you could join, because like, like we said, we know that uh, it's a topic that you're passionate about, and you've worked with Christian before. And I'm just so glad to have you both, because you're both sort of like paragons of the VO community. You may not realize it, but you're both just so... I mean, you both come from a place of gratitude. You're both incredibly intelligent and articulate, more so. And you're just so generous with that knowledge. Like, I have never seen you get irritated by a silly question. Or, <laughs> and, like, if you ever see, like, I mean, they, they have to have an award for, like, novella Facebook responses. Because Christina <laughs> is just a like literal encyclopedia of, of voiceover knowledge and she is always happy to give it. So thank you both for being on here and just encouraging this spirit of generosity in the VO community. Thank, thank you. I'm, I'm blushing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we got her on video. She's not lying. Uh, I am. Well, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. Thanks so much for having awesome. me. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to the VO meter measuring your voiceover progress. To follow along, please visit www.vometer.com.